my wife didn't acknowledge the fact that she's pregnant with triplets for two weeks. She wouldn't speak to me about it for two weeks. She's like, no, no, it's not happening. I'm like, <laughs> it's happening. We have to talk about it. You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life, and how you can do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Our quote today is from Ann Sexton. It doesn't matter who my father was. It matters who I remember he was. My guest today, Philip Hartman, has become an inspiring voice on parenthood. He's a serial entrepreneur, founder of The Factory and GSDH Advertising, and he's also the proud dad of five uh, kids, having become the father of triplets and twins within 13 months, which I'm sure we'll get into, and the creator of the podcast, Dedicated. Uh, he's also founded a charitable initiative called Together for Cape Town, which aims to provide 3 million meals for children in South Africa affected by the economic fallout of COVID-19. So, Philip, welcome. It's great to have you on the Elevate podcast. Hey, Bob. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. So I always find it helpful to start at the beginning. And given your passion for parenthood, uh, it seemed natural to ask, uh, did you have a positive experience with your own father growing up or a negative experience or a, was it a neutral experience? Yeah, it's, it's, that's an interesting question. And also interesting that you include neutral. I mean, we had we grew up very protected, right? I grew up in the south of Munich in Germany. Everything was green. There was no crime. Everybody was very rich. And my father, my father was a good father. The thing I think that he struggled with was that he never had a father. Yeah. So his father was shot in the war in, in uh, Russia, actually, by a sniper when he, my father was two. Hmm. And I think he kind of assumed the role of the man in the house then, but never and grew up around women and never really had a father figure until my grandmother married again. So quite late in life. And so I think for him, it was just difficult to grasp the concept. And he made seven children, by the way, interestingly. So oh. he married once, had two children. Set a high bar for you, but you're on your way. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, he, he was a good father, but he was often gone because in those times, I think dads were very much seeing themselves more so even than today still as providers. Yeah. Well, they, I mean... And today, you could argue some people don't have to provide at the level they're providing, yeah. but this was this was also basic necessity stuff, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to be unfair. It's not true. You know, like on the weekends and things, when he was there, yeah. he would always spend time with us. He would go to the forest and right. houses from sticks and ride the bicycle and thing. But from a time perspective, much, much less involved than I would be now. Right. But but again, let's let's be honest, right? Some people are, are working incredibly hard because they, yeah. you know, want a second home or going to Disney World or vacation. And other people are literally trying to put food on the table for their families. And those are those are different situations. Yeah. So what's something from your own childhood that you really wanted your children to to experience that may may or may not exist in the same form today? Yeah, it's that's an interesting question. You know, actually, we're doing it right now. We're moving back to Munich from Cape Town, where we live right now, after 18 years of, of South Africa, Cape Town, because I want my children to kind of experience the way we grew up, right? My wife's also from the same village. We actually grew up together. So we were next door neighbors. <laughs> I know her for 40 years. Now we have five children. It's crazy. But we're going back because I want my children to grow up the, in this kind of protected bubble 
And I very much go back with the view that it is a bubble because I've been in Africa for 20 years and I've, I grew up super privileged, you know, and if I can kind of afford that to my children and the networks and the experiences and the nature and the safety and there's no crime, I want that for the kids. And, and so are you moving back to the exact same area? Next village. Next village. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be quite a ride. I mean, how old nothing, are the kids right now? They are five and a half and four. So they sort of understand that, I guess, right? They know. They know Munich. They love it there. The grandparents are there. They oh, right. want to go. Yeah. Um, so, so did you have an entrepreneurial streak uh, as a kid or did that come later for you? I kind of always had to earn my own money, so to speak, or earn extra money because we were five kids and my father had two more. So it was just a necessity. And I think I kind of jumped into entrepreneurship because at the age of 20, 21, it was the easiest way for me to become independent. So we literally started our digital agency at the time in my parents' garage huh. at 21. Was that while you were at university? Just after university. So I studied in Munich and Sydney and then came back to Munich and then we started. And then what brought you to South Africa? So you're, you're very global. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, we, we did a year in the garage and then I came to Cape Town together with Stephen, my business partner. And we realized, this was now in 2002, we realized that you can render a service on a distance. And everybody was like, yeah, you're crazy. You know, it's not possible. This is digital production already at the time, making CD-ROMs and flash productions and those things. And we're like, okay, you know, the business model is going to be, we will have a set number of clients, uh, agencies, advertising agencies in um, Germany and Switzerland, and we're going to service them as an offshoring hub. And, mm. you know, of course it works. There's no time difference between Germany and, and South Africa. But at the time, people were like, you're crazy. I mean, we were flying in our own network cards and servers into Cape Town because the equipment we could buy here wasn't sufficient to just do the work that we wanted to do. Crazy. Um, the only reason why we have a company is because the German network engineer somehow hacked the South African telecom line so that we wouldn't have a capped line. <laughs> <laughs> and we could work. It was amazing. It's German engineering at its finest. That's it. <laughs> Modern colonialism. So look, when people become parents, they don't have any experience, you know, other than watching their own parents, but not as parents. So yeah. similarly, entrepreneurs have to learn how to do it and become leaders without really yeah. having any experience. So what was that like for you? And how, how did you come to your own leadership style? And did you have any, do you have any mentors or role models sort of in the mm -hmm. entrepreneurial world? That's a good question. I think it was a hard path for me. I have mentors now. I work with Warren Rustand, yeah. as you do, I believe. Yeah. So he's amazing and he's he's changed my life in the last few years. But before that, I, we always just tried to kind of white knuckle everything and make make a plan. And, and until I found Entrepreneurs Organization, I really didn't have any peer network or or mentorship structure or anything like that. We just tried things. And I yeah. think it's a very hard way. It's better. So when, when did you join EO? Um, maybe six years ago, something like that. Yeah. It's like thinking you're on an island and then finding all these other people on the same island. Yeah. I was like, wow, there's uh, interesting entrepreneurs in Cape Town. I didn't never knew this. Everybody always just talks about the beach. <laughs> you know, we people hear the term mastermind a lot, forum. Yeah. I think for people who have been in it, it's just a huge formative experience for them. 
I think other people have no idea what those people are even talking about. So do you, will you explain the concept of sort of a forum? Because it, I know it's it exists in EO and, and, and so what a forum does and what a forum doesn't do and, and how I, I, it, a forum is just a type of mastermind. And, and I, I, I've talked about it in my books and other where I think if you can find this in your life, personal or professional, they're they really are life changing, but but most people I don't think understand. You know, I think it's just a networking group. So um, why don't you try to explain that or how that's impacted you? Yeah, which it isn't. It's not an. It is a networking group if you want it to be, but yeah. it, it's not right. There are a lot of groups where people have breakfast and try to pass each other leads. I, sure. I think that's right. I think that's that's not a forum. That's what people perceive as yeah. sort of a business group, though. Yeah, no. I mean, forum in how I experience it and why I, I agree, I find it so valuable. It's it's a set group of people. So it's the same people. We meet once a month, all entrepreneurs, all either majority shareholders or founders of businesses with a certain size of turnover. And so that implies that they have similar issues. But because we are all in different kinds of businesses, very different still. However, you can relate, obviously, to each other's check-ins. That's, that's, and it's a very structured kind of format. So there's a check-in yeah. and there are usually two presentations in how we run. We run pretty pure EO structure. And why it helps so much is because it's, it helps me so much is because it's peer-to-peer learning based on own experience share. And no one will lecture to you. Everybody will just talk from own experience. That's right. in a healthy forum. So, you know, my problem comes up, I'm checking in on this. And it's not just business also. It's family, business, community, and self. And you check in on those four buckets. And then everybody checks in on those four buckets. And you give each other feedback, but in the form of a own experience share. And what I love about the concept is that you can listen for your own value. And whatever you don't like, you can disregard or you can lend an idea. You know, that's, that's up to you. And that's why it's powerful. And to give some more color to that, will you explain the difference? I, I think you explained that well, but the, people always say, show me an example. Maybe personal. Maybe your business is going through a really big investment transaction and it's requiring all of your time and it's causing stress at home, but it's really important to your business. Explain the difference of how you would present that to your forum and how what did you, you would... know that? <laughs> <laughs> Again, there are a lot of similar situation. How you would present yeah, yeah. that to your forum and what you would hear back and how you would present that to a group of friends and what you would hear back. I think that really is the yeah. difference between a forum and a not forum. 5%. Yeah. yeah. So the 5%, you, you really don't feel comfortable to speak about either end of the spectrum, positive and negative. That's where forum comes in when yeah. it comes to deep sharing. And, and also, I, I, sorry, I meant like... If you just told that to your friends, if you did tell that to your friends, right? What what would you hear back from a group of friends versus how would can you explain the experience? Like how would people in a forum yeah. then then because it's a really different approach that that I actually think we can all learn from uh, because I think it's a better approach than we very than we much. Have. It's the whole reason how why I run the podcast. You know the po- you've been on it. Yeah, I mean it, the big difference is my friends would probably in a good positive effort, try to advise, have you done this? Have you tried this? Why don't you do that? Oh, I have an idea. And it's kind of like, you know, dude, I'm not stupid. We've tried this. It doesn't work. It kind of puts me in a defensive position where in forum, firstly, you check in on, you know, as an answer, I can relate to that, that we had the same or similar situation or issue, and it was very stressful for me. And this is what we did. Or this is how we reacted and it worked or it didn't work. And that's a very powerful way to 
convey learnings and experiences because you don't have to feel that someone is talking down to you or you don't have to feel stupid. You're just listening to other people's experiences. Yeah, and you said a key point before, everyone gets value. Everyone in that conversation yes. gets value because they hear the stories. And I, I have really learned in other areas of my life when someone presents a problem and it really helps you start with, in my experience, right? Yeah, and um, someone just posted something in, the, in EO, you might've seen it saying, I have a salesperson that really not doing well. I'm thinking about sort of lowering and cutting their comp. Like, do you have any recommendations, right? <laughs> there are plenty of recommendations, but you know, people would say here's instead of here's what you should do. In my experience, like someone said, in my experience, every time I've done that in my 20 years of whatever, it has not worked out, right? I mean, that's just a very different way than telling them, telling the person what they should do than, than you know, sharing basically a case study and then letting the person infer what they, they might from that. 100%. Yeah. So I know one of the biggest changes in your personal life came from uh, when you describe it, you became a father five times in 13 months. Uh, I mean, you probably qualified <laughs> for clinical sleep depression at that point. Can you walk That's me it. through how uh, that happened and how you, how you managed to, yeah. to get through that? It's my favorite topic. Yeah, I can. I mean, you know, what happened to us, we wanted to have children, my wife and I, for a long time. And so we've tried forever and ever. And I told you this before for the listeners. And so, you know, we had a pregnancy that didn't work. And it was hugely stressful, actually, for me. But I only realized how stressful it was a year later. And then we were in kind of a vulnerable space. We had always already, because we tried to get pregnant for so long, signed up for fostering. Fostering in South Africa, it's kangaroo parenting, right? So you help a child that's not adoptable legally yet into the next family. Yeah. And we were kind of naive, you know, thought, okay, that's, it's, it's just going to be nice. And we had these children until we have our own children. And so the call came and someone said, you know, or the, the lady from the agency said, hey, there's, there's a case, two children, twins. Are you still interested? Are you open for fostering? And we we're like, yeah, sure. Okay. So we, we went there to the hospice where they're at and, you know, instantly fell in love and we were like, wow, okay, now that we know these two little beings and they, we can't, we can't really say no. And, and so we, within a week of the call, we had two twins at home. They were six months at the time. So the fostering was meant to be how, how long you adopted them. Yeah, but was it's, it- it's usually between three months and 12 months or something, something like that. And sometimes it takes 18, but you know, I pretty much realized within a week or two that once you have a baby, man, you can't give it up. Let's yeah. try to do that with a puppy, you know, have a puppy and yeah. give it. It's <laughs> Just not borrow possible. it for a few weeks. And then, yeah. Yeah. So within like, I don't know, two, four weeks, I said to my wife, I'm not giving these babies back. We're going to adopt these children. And she was like, finally, you said it, you know, and, and we were really scared that they were going to take the children away because fostering is a different path. It's a different process than adoption. And they hammered into us, this is not adoption. If you want to adopt, you need to do a different process. And we were like, no, no. And, this. and so eventually we managed to do that. It took us two years. But what happened also on the side or kind of in the middle of it, you know, we tried to have another baby. We we're like, okay, we'll have one more baby. And then we're three uh, kids. And so we were trying and we were like, it's going to take a long time, like last time. Of course, this time within six months, my wife felt pregnant with triplets. So. <laughs> Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. 
The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So what was the, what, what, when the doctor said it's triplets, like what was the, yeah. like did someone pass out? Like what was the general honest reaction in the moment? Honestly, I, I went very quiet. My wife didn't acknowledge the fact that she's <laughs> pregnant with triplets for two weeks. Wow. Like she wouldn't speak to me about it for two weeks. She's like, no, no, it's not happening. I'm like, <laughs> It's happening. We have to talk about it. And then uh, I can share this because she shared this on her own podcast. Within like, I don't know, two weeks, eventually she had a panic attack. And then we, we finally talked about it. And we we're like, okay, what are we going to do? You she know, had the panic is... attack because you, you at that point you hadn't even had a discussion about it. She was still no, keeping we, all we that. We didn't have a discussion for two weeks. Up. I tried, yeah. tried. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> at some stage she's going to have to speak to me about it because that's what reality kicked in, you know, and we had two babies at, at that time. Who were like one year by then. They came with another six months. So, you know, and and then I was like, okay, we're gonna this somehow is fix the this. classic control what you can control, right? Yeah. I mean, it was really very stressful. The first thing the doctor said to us was, you know, it's triplets, it's complicated, but you can have a reduction. And that's really just a rude way of saying you can have an abortion. Uh, where you would literally put a needle into one of the fetuses or two, and then you have a regular singleton pregnancy. And because of the experience we had with the first pregnancy that didn't work, and the, he put the fear of God into me, you know, Be yeah. before the first pregnancy, I didn't know people die, can die in, in pregnancies and that. And I was like, wow, yes, thank you for that. And so it was really stressful from the start to ha go through this pregnancy. And then, of course, at six months, my wife had to be hospitalized because there's not enough space in the womb for triplets really and so she was there to kind of keep them in as long as she could and um, while i was catering for the babies the twins you know at that time they couldn't speak they were just babies 
meanwhile, not trying to go bankrupt on the side with the company <laughs> and visiting my wife in the hospital every day. And then the, the triplets came and, and they ended up in NICU for 10 weeks or so. And yeah, that's really, that was really the journey. And that's why I started this whole project because I felt that there isn't enough quality content in terms of supporting dads. There's a lot of stuff for moms. That's great, but not for dads. In 2017, entrepreneur John Rampton was frustrated with the available calendar tools, which led him to create calendar.com. Calendar.com allows all of your different calendars to come together in one place. It also has some great features that solve many of the common frustration of team calendars. Smart links with notifications ensure you never need to worry about double booking or no-shows. The find a time feature compares everyone's schedules at once, finding the optimum time to meet. No more emailing back and forth trying to find out when everyone is free. And you also get analytics that will give you reports that show how you and your team are spending your time, allowing you to be more efficient. If you're looking to make yourself or your team more efficient this year, head over to calendar.com now to start your 30-day free trial and see the difference for yourself. That's C-A-L-E-N-D-A-R.com. So how, how did you mentally and physically, I won't, we'll, we'll leave financially out of it, but support yeah. five kids, you know, with those sort of needs? I have to say, um, when they were babies, it was much easier, actually. The last, yeah. I feel like the last year or so, two years were much harder, you know, terrible threes and crazy twos or what do you call it? And quarantines just doesn't make that easier. And quar- I mean, we were in hard lockdown. Yeah. And we had, <laughs> listen to this, we had four three-year-olds and two four-and-a-half-year-olds in lockdown because we we asked the nanny to move in and she was like, sure, but not without my child. <laughs> and That's fair. So, yeah. So um, when they were babies, it was much easier actually because they don't, I mean, sure, they scream, but babies just eat and sleep, right? And when they're two or three and four and they just say no and they start tantrums and they do five at once or if someone yeah. always does a tantrum at all times, that's very stressful. <laughs> but now that... that <laughs> I, I came in a mat. Like, what does dinner time look like? Actually, it's quite ordered. I mean, my wife is amazing. She, from the start, she said, okay, we're going to have very strict routines morning, breakfast, lunch, uh, lunch, every, all at the same time. Well, it shifts now a little bit that they go to school and baby swimming and tumbling stars or whatever, but it's a, at a set time and everybody sits around the table and we have a more or less decent dinner. You know, one might act out, but. Actually, tonight we had a beautiful dinner. Everybody was talking. I tried to do some structure because I believe that structured dinners are hugely helpful for the family. Yeah, so yeah. I get everybody to check in on their favorite of the day. How, how about wine? Is wine a big part of your dinners? Drinking? Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> I never, ever drink in front of the kids. Yeah. I assume you need some process and some structure. To... <laughs> whining happens a lot, but yeah, wine there's a lot of wine. But no. <laughs> right, I guess whining could be there. Could be a kid version of that and an adult verb of that. The kid version is, is yeah. <laughs> but you know, as they're getting older, they also understand that we can't just have screaming all the time. That that was really the biggest problem. Or is the boys? They scream a lot. It's hard. They grind you down. Look, m- most people have more capacity, resilience than they realize. If someone had ever yeah. said to you, do you think you could be a father? You, you would have said, absolutely not, right? And, and so now we're coming out of this pandemic. It's been a really difficult, 
uh, year for people and mental health and, and, and resilience yeah. and like what I mean what what have you learned from that experience that you think you'd help other people around like where where you actually have ability and capability beyond what one might perceive from the pandemic or in principle no what you learned in your experience that I think could help people that are still still dealing with the pandemic in terms of um you know not not thinking that they can do yeah. everything or juggle everything because i i'm pretty for sure if i had said to you before the kids like could you handle or manage you could have said absolutely couldn't ever possibly do that yeah i know it's uh, old but i think that you can do anything you put your mind to if you do the work if you're willing to do the work so you can't just imagine the result you have to also do the work But if you are diligent and stick to it and consistent, any result that you want to achieve, you can achieve. And you are much more resilient than, than what you think you are, really. Yeah. One step at a time. Yeah, one step at a time, and, but in the, in the right direction. So. so what prompted you to start uh, the dedicated, great name, by the way, uh, podcast? Thank you. It was exactly my experience. You know, I, I was like, wow, I don't know how this works. This is stressful. Um, <laughs> You're just looking for free advice. <laughs> yeah. I was looking for advice. You know, like there was death. The, the, one of the triplets literally stopped breathing in NICU. They had all these treatments. And, mm. and now it's like, okay, I'm going to have five babies at home. How am I going to do this? I have to ask fathers who've gone through the experience. And You know, eventually what emerged out of it is that I spoke to, I don't know, 150 dads or now. I've published about 60. I'm going into season two um, as we speak. And the advice I, that came from it or the experience here, actually, it's actually the same format as it's a heart-to-heart yeah, -heart conversation. Yeah, it's a forum format. It's a heart-to-heart -heart conversation between two dads sharing own experience in a vulnerable manner. That's what we do. And man, what I've, I mean, it's amazing. People just, what happens somehow is that I, I think that no one speaks to dads. Everybody speaks to the founder, the entrepreneur, the head CEO, or the athlete or whatever. But the, we have many roles, but the predominant role is a father. Or the most important role that we have is being a dad. And how come we get all these business books and all this business advice? And, but the most important job we have to do comes without a manual bringing up your children that's so crazy yeah. and so that's how the podcast started and it actually started because i wanted to do a tv series first uh, by now i've actually filmed the uh, two or three teasers but then covid came so i couldn't pitch it to netflix and produce it but because i tried to do the series for the first year but i had all these babies so it just wasn't possible but you know i was like stubborn eventually i was like okay i, I can't just start a series and have the company and grow the company and have the babies. I'm just going to do a podcast. The easiest one, like you said, one step at a time, the smallest thing I could do within my capacity at that time, within whatever financial constraints and time constraints. And, and just I started the podcast and literally I asked Warren Rustand. He was the first one that amazing session with him. That's a tough first one. That's a tough act for other yeah. people to follow. I wouldn't want to come after his episode. Yeah, but I mean, by now, you know, it. there's been amazing fathers, some very famous, some totally not. Yeah. But 100% of them have stepped up uh, from just being a father to being a dad. And I think if we can 
empower fathers, which is the aim of the podcast, we can make the world a better place because, you know, if we can help facilitate family success, that impact or that result has a direct impact on society because the, so the fabric of society is family. That's the social fabric of society. So there's no layer in between family and society, really. And by empowering dads, we also create optionality for moms because if dads are suddenly perceived as a real strategy for a successful home, there is more optionality for moms. So it's very inclusive, really. I just happen to speak to dads. So what? I, this is a two-part question. You can choose either one in either order. So from all the folks you've interviewed, what, what's the story that stood out the most? And then what is the, the theme that surprised you that sort of came out the most? Yeah. I mean, the story, there are so many stories, but the hardest stories are when fathers or parents, but I happen to speak to dads, lose children. Hmm. So Jason Reed, you might know him. He's also EO. He lost his son to suicide. Um, and he's since done ChooseLife.org and the Netflix series around Tell My Story. So those are the most heartbreaking, it's impossible, unthinkable stories. There are many, many positives, not all about dramas, and, but those are really tough. Um, what was the second question? The surprising learnings. The surprising learnings. Yeah, so what, what were some of the themes that you would not have expected? Themes. Yeah. Yeah, not expected. I mean, if once you think about it, it's pretty obvious, right? It's it's always around spending time with intent, being truly present. Because you understand this too, I know that. We can't make new time. Yeah. And so it's very important to be intentional on how you spend your time. And that is, I think, is the biggest, biggest, and people say this, you know, it's always lip service, but really, are you really spending your time with intent every minute? Hey, Elevate listeners, whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify enabled sites is that they already know who I am and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info the ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash elevate has the concept of of sort of quality versus quantity you know come up by in terms of i yeah. think yeah and how how people address that i mean i warren's an example yeah. of someone who travels a lot speaks all over the world but seems to make sure that you know when he's there he's really there and i think a yeah. lot of us sometimes we're there but we're not there and we can make that time count more than than we are yeah many father uh, it, it has a few times actually and the sentence is always 
I do it for the kids. And, and when I'm home, I really spend the time, right? And everybody has to do what they do. And in and, and the end of the day, you have to look yourself in the mirror and you are only accountable to yourself. Did you spend the time as, as you wish to and as it's fair? And there might be different fairs for different people and different setups, and that's fine. You know, everybody does what they want. But, and actually, a few dads told me that it, they, they told themselves that, you know, I'm doing this for my family and I'm traveling so much. Richard Mulholland, for instance, he said this. He well, that's a, that's a lie speaker. that a lot of people tell themselves, right? He, he said it's bullshit. I called myself yeah. out or his ex-wife called him out. That's bullshit. He was like, it's true. It's yeah. bullshit. I'm not doing all of this for the family. I'm doing it for myself because I like doing it. I like running this business. I like building the second business. He built a six-figure speaker business next to his uh, missing link presentation business that he's already qualified in EO. And like, of course, he, you can work yourself into absence. And then he totally swing, uh, swung in, in the other direction. He was like, Uber dad, once he divorced, he said, divorce turned me into a dad from being a father before. And then suddenly it was only the kids. So there needs to be a healthy balance. But to answer your question, quantity dictates quality. So what I mean with that is, and I've heard it from many fathers and I, I agree with it. If you allow for more opportunity to find or to make a, let a quality moment happen, because moments are really the molecules of our lives, more moments will happen because you can't just flick a switch and go, oh, now it's quality time. Right. You know, but that's not how children work. So the more opportunity there is for quality time, the higher the chances that it actually happens. So quantity dictates quality or quality follows quantity. I always come back to the story I heard. I'm going to completely butcher this and it's like a parable, but, but someone said that, that this father was working on this huge project and so he, for two weeks, he's normally home before dinner, but he would come home at, at eight o'clock at night and, and he was just working like crazy, but he'd come home and then hang out with the kids. And at the end of the two weeks, the son came up to him and said, dad, dad, is the you know, project over? And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, it's over. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be home or whatever. And, and the kid looked disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so the, the moral of the story was that actually in, in that two weeks, the father had had less time. So he actually came home and was really present versus yeah. he was before he was there more, but was doing work and not not paying attention. And so I guess it does go a little bit both ways. I think, as you said, like if you're around more, there's clearly more opportunity for a conversation or impact or otherwise. But I think there are a lot of us in, in this device world, like where, where my middle son calls me out yeah. on a lot. Like he's very good at knowing when I, I like not even on my phone or I'm sort of like when he doesn't have my attention, he, you know, when he's talking to me, but he can tell that my attention is elsewhere. And he sort of like, you know, calls me on it. And so I, I there is a lot of that where we're physically there. We, we shouldn't take credit for being physically there if we're not, not no, mentally no. there. But that's why I said spending time with intent and yeah. being present. When you're on your phone or you're not present, you're not present. So then you're not around. Yeah. And is that better to be structured in, in from a story? Is it better to have your kid date nights or your thing? Or if you know that you're that kind of person putting structure to it, like, is that helpful? I do it. Yes. Yeah. So I, I put everything in the calendar, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Actually, at the moment, the last two months, I'm totally failing on it. Yeah. Failing on the date nights with the kids, failing on with my wife. Uh, the date nights because of the deal that we have and and at the same time you know making sure that we hit the same growth and yeah so that's a good reminder those it's not easy just because you know it but yeah. it's still true 
All right. Well, last question for you, Philip, and you can make this about fatherhood or not, but what's a, what's a mistake you've made personally or professionally that you learned the most from? Mm. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> so many mistakes, but something I learned very recently and I, it really hit home. I went uh, on an otter trail. It's, it's the most beautiful walk in South Africa, actually. It's five days, self-supported. You have to carry everything. And I took a wrong turn and had to walk along the ocean, along the rocks. You're literally like climbing and scrambling and it's not supposed to do that. It was fine, but the other group in the team got quite scared. And, you know, eventually I got signal and I made comms and they almost started a rescue. It wasn't necessary, mm. but they didn't know where I was and it looked difficult from the top and so and so. And, you know, they told me to turn around, but in my case, I couldn't turn around because I had already walked and climbed three hours along the rocks. And so in the evening, a lot of EO folk by the fire, we discussed the, the incident and, you know, shit, they were scared and this and this. And I told them it was fine. I'm actually a mountain uh, soldier when I was younger and I was fine. I just, you know, but the one yeah. guy said, he was a bit older, he was also a YPO member. He said, you know, the one learning that he finds or found out, I can't remember how he put it, but what came out of it basically was that I was being very stubborn and because I just soldiered on and I didn't kind of yeah. listen when they said turn around, I couldn't have turned around, but I, I could have explained myself more maybe or whatever. And he said stubbornness is very, very painful because we are supposed to listen to advice and to what other people have learned. And if we don't listen, we have to make every single experience ourselves. And I think I have a tendency of trying to be right, um, not in this particular instance now, but in life. I'm I'm stubborn and I kind of persevere and and it's very hard. And wanting to be in the right or wanting to stay in the right comes at very uh, at a very high cost emotionally and if can even be financially. So yeah. and I think I've had many mistakes where I was just too stubborn or too hard and not soft enough. Or flexible enough. I'll tell you something I'll never forget having just taught my teenage daughter how to drive where where when my mom was teaching me how to drive and we got to some intersection and it's going to go she said we'll wait to see if the other person goes and I said uh, but I have the right away like I'm in the I'm in the right and she said yeah but you can be dead right <laughs> that was exactly that was her answer that's it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we don't want to be dead right no so that was my, that was a, a good father, uh, motherhood example. So uh, Philip, where could people learn about you, podcast and, and your work? Yeah, thank you. So the easiest way to find my podcast as well as book me for my keynote on building successful families is on dedicated.com. That's uh, like dedicated, but with an A, dedicated.com. And the company where we build uh, digital assets in South Africa is called The Factory. And the website is meetthefactory.com. And both of those sites have email and everything. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Very catchy URLs. Good. You're a good marketer. That's it. <laughs> All right. To our listeners, uh, thank you tuning in for the Elevate podcast today. We'll include links to Philip and his work on the episode page at robertglazer.com. Philip, thanks for sharing your story with us. Uh, I'm very impressed by your dedication. I had to say it. Sorry. Uh, and, and you're definitely an inspiration to dads and entrepreneurs everywhere. Thank you, Bob. And I appreciate the amazing work you do for us. And uh, I love your podcast and also your email uh, newsletter. 
and keep up the good work. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for your support. Until next time, keep elevating. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.